So before I get to the thing that um, God put on my heart to share this morning, I just think there was something beautiful that came through in, in worship and something that Chad touched on earlier. I just want to focus our hearts on Jesus. And we, uh, we sang in one of the choruses these lines. Every eye will see, every heart will know, there is no name above the name of Jesus. Death could not hold him down, no grave could keep him bound. And it's actually quite beautiful, and it's scriptural, because it says in Acts 2 this, it says, but God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now, uh, Chad was saying earlier, and he mentioned, you know, that um, Jesus being raised from the dead was something that, that came from Jesus, and in a sense it was, because Jesus laid aside his glory and led the perfect life, honored God and all it did, so that death could not hold him. It was impossible for death to hold this glorious King of kings and Lord of lords who had done everything that he needed to do. It was Jesus and in what he did that led to his resurrection. But here's a beautiful thing. There is a faith and a hope we can have in what Jesus did. And it says this um, in the Bible. It says, we know we have the same spirit of faith, and we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. In other words, death could not hold Jesus. Couldn't. It was impossible. And you know what? Because we have faith in that same Jesus, death cannot hold us. Through the power of Jesus... God the Father says he will raise us because of what Jesus did. And I think that is just a beautiful way just to focus our eyes on Jesus, who is the center of everything. Amen. So, this morning, my actual preach that I want to talk about, I want to talk about birthday presents. So, as my boys uh, grew up, I knew that there was one thing they wanted more than anything from me, birthday presents. So once a year, the world would basically stop for my boys, and it would all be about them. For that one day, you know, their, their age would tick up that one digit, and it was so important for them to have presents. Now, um, my life, for much of my boys growing up, my life was very, very busy, um, I would travel all around the world frequently to obscure cities in bizarre countries all around the world. Really was not very glamorous at all. But what it meant is that I was often not home. And to my shame, I even missed some of my boys' birthdays. But I tried to make it up for it because I made sure that I bought them really, really nice presents. I really thought very hard about what they wanted and the kind of things they liked. For Michael, it was normally something to do with animals. For James, it was normally something to do with tanks. And I would carefully choose these things, and I would come home. But the strangest thing happened. 
I would come home. I would give them these presents. But it didn't seem to make much difference into how happy they were. It's almost like these presents weren't having the effect that I thought they should. And then I would be on a plane and I would be off again and I would think I'm missing something here. I'm missing something. And I was. The reality is that I had misunderstood what my boys wanted. I thought they wanted birthday presents. They didn't. They wanted birthday presents. My presents. My being there presents. My being present. That was actually what they wanted all along. Now, God is very gracious. So uh, in 2019, before COVID, God grounded me. Uh, He taught me some real lessons about life and about faith. And I started learning what it meant to be really present for my family. And when I was there, I was really there. Then COVID came, and it was actually a great time to build into my boys. And I started to understand them more and more. And I started to understand the importance of just being there and being around. The irony is this. I think that sometimes in church, we fall into the same trap that I did. I think that sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking that what we bring or what we do is the most important thing. Sometimes we can feel like our importance to the church is our function, what we do. Now, don't get me wrong. What we do is very, very, very important. (laughs) That's how we grow as a church. But it's also important to remember that what we bring is not just what we do. What we bring is also ourselves to make sure we're present. So this morning, I want to talk about how we can actually build this thing we call church. And I'm going to use four points. And hopefully, as I speak about this, we'll see that there is a a balance that God is asking from us. So firstly, the first thing that we do that we need to build in this place, we need to build a place for guests. For guests. Now, we were all guests once. I was a guest. You were a guest. Other than the people who actually founded Josh Jen, I guess they weren't a guest, but I don't think there's any of them here this morning. But we were all a guest once. Um, but the reality is that sometimes being a guest is not a very comfortable thing to be. And it's not always a very comfortable thing to be in church. So I'm going to tell you a quick story, something that happened to me. So I was in London a few years ago, and I was visiting a church I'd never been to before. It wasn't a 412 church, so this story is a safe story because you don't know this church. So I went to this church, and uh, I sat in my seat, and it was a nice service, and they said, okay, and now we're going to have tea and coffee at the back, and we'll socialize, get to know people. So I sat in my seat, and like everyone started to break off into little conversational groups, and I was like, okay, let's see who's going to come talk to me as the visitor and make me feel welcome, and I sat there, and everyone was getting into chinwags everywhere, and I sat there, 
And after a few minutes, I thought, okay, uh, no one's saying hello to me, so I'll go to the tea and coffee at the back. Maybe someone will talk to me there. So I went to the back, and I made my cup of tea, tea, not coffee, made my cup of tea, and I was standing there, and I thought, okay, let's see now. No, people milling around, everyone having lecker conversations, and I'm just thinking, oh. Then I started to get <clears throat> that little bit of, you know, righteous indignation. It's not a good thing for me. So anyway, I was thinking, I'm going to show these people. I'm going to teach them a lesson. So, <laughs> so I spotted a guy walking across who wasn't in a conversation. I thought, I'm going to show them how you engage people in church. You know, I'll, I'll teach them. This is how you should do it. So I walked up to him and I said, hey, how's it? You know, I'm Dan. Nice to meet you. So tell me about yourself. Blah, 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 blah. And this guy was like, okay. And he starts telling me about his, you know, and uh, find out what he did for a living and all this. And I thought, yeah, see, you know, I'm teaching you guys in the church. I'm teaching you how to have a good conversation with people. You know, you should be learning about this. You know, I hope you go and tell all your friends about this. So anyway, so I said to him, and how long have you been worshipping here? He goes, oh, no, this is my first time. I'm a visitor. <laughs> so I'd gone there with the intent of, like, showing them how important it was to engage people because they weren't doing it. And all I actually did was just gave this visitor the idea that these guys were awesome and making people feel welcome. So that serves me right. But that's the reality, is that sometimes we're guests. And sometimes it's hard to feel like we belong. But the truth is, everyone has a deep desire to belong. Everyone does. You do, I do. Now, our attitude when we're building this thing called church needs to be a place where guests are welcome. Where we really make feel guests feel welcome. But I want to explain to you what that means. Making guests feel welcome doesn't mean showing them where the tea and coffee is on a Sunday. Ah, oh, tea and coffee's over there. Done my bit. It's more than that. And to show you just how much more than that it really is, I'm going to show you something from the Bible. Now, if there was anyone in the Bible who had a right to feel a little bit clicky, it would have been the Israelites. Agree? I mean, they were God's chosen people, right? Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 says this. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. You might think, wow, well, these guys, these guys. If anyone's got a right to kind of like keep it in house... It would be these guys, because they are God's holy people. What does God think of that? Leviticus 19, verses 33 to 34, God tells the Israelites how they're to deal with the guests in their land. When an alien lives with you in your land, do not mistreat him. The alien living with you must be treated as one of your native form. That's not alien from outer space. That's foreigner. Yeah. We're not talking little green men. Love him as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do you get how heavy this is? Do you get what he's saying? He's saying you are the treasured possession, God's holy people set apart from the rest of the world. But if you have a guest within you, treat them that like they are holy, set apart special unto God as well. That's how much we should make guests among us feel welcome because we were guests once. 
So what does this mean practically? Look around for someone who's a guest. I don't think we have many this morning. But look around, whether it's at a braai, community, on a Sunday. Look around for people that are guests and make them feel like one of us. And that means talk to them, introduce yourself, get to know them, find out what they like, invite them on a bike ride. Just not with Ockert, because he'll break them. <laughs> invite them for dinner. When they're a guest, you should be treating them just like one of us, because they have a desperate need to belong. So we need to be a place for guests. We also need to be a place for gifts. For gifts. Chad actually touched on this just now. Although the greatest gift that I could have given my boys was being there, that doesn't mean that that was the only gift I should have brought. I mean, if I'd got home from one of my trips overseas and like said, hey boys, I'm here. And because I'm here, that's all you need from me this year. You're not getting any other present. They'd probably be a little disappointed. Because it was nice that I could give them something that showed that I cared for them, something that I'd carefully chosen for them, that I knew they would like, that I knew they would enjoy, that fitted their nature. It said something about how much I really wanted to give them something. Do you know it's the same with God and you? For every single person here, God has chosen gifts for you. He's given you amazing gifts. He's spread the table out and he's chosen some things on that table just for you. Romans 12 verses 6 to 8 says, says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Carries on in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10 with some more. It says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts by healing that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. To still another the interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have one thing in common. What do these gifts have in common, all of them? The gift of the Spirit, yes. But the function of these all has one thing in common. As Heinz says, they are to be shared. The gifts that God gives you are not just for you. This is a bring and share. You don't go home with that lovely pot of anchovy paste that you really, really wanted and there's a bring and share at church and you just go home with a spoon and just, you know. No, you share. You share. And the Bible tells you to share. 1 Peter, verses four, sorry, 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11 says this. Each of you 
should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And that's the prophecy and the encouragement and all those things we just read about. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, the gifts that I brought back for my boys, you know, the stuffed toy animals and the little remote control tanks and things like that, they were for my boys. The gifts God gives you are for you. Because who knows, when you give someone a word of encouragement and their face lights up, do you feel good? Do you feel like God's, God's using me? This is awesome. When you bring a prophetic word to someone and it encourages them, you're like, thank you, Jesus. Oh, it, it makes your day if you're able to bless someone. But it blesses them too, right? It's like a super gift. Everyone wins. It's amazing. Yeah. Everyone gets gifts. But that's the beauty of the gifts of God, is they are to be shared. Now, it is important, and I do want to stress this. It is important that your gifts are not who you are. Right? I stress that. Because if we end up in a church where we think, oh, okay, well, that person's prophetic and this person's that, this person's that, that's great. Let them be prophetic, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and let them be encouraging and all those things, okay? But more than anything, we are precious children of the Most High bought with the blood of Christ. And that means that the gift we carry is never more important than who we are in Christ, okay? So... We need to look out for each other in love. We need to care for each other in love. And we're going to come just now in the next point to how, how we might do that. But just remember, the gift is something to share, but you're responsible for it. Okay? Your gift is your responsibility, and we're called to be faithful in the way we steward it. But here's the reality. It's a little bit tricky to prophesy over someone at community if you're sitting at home watching Siva Delan. Because you're here and they're over there. And so the next thing we need to build in this place is we need to have a place to gather. A place to gather. Now, I want you, we've been talking about tables and banqueting all morning. Um, and um, I think God's got a sense of humor because it's actually the illustration I'm going to use here. I want you to imagine a big family Christmas dinner. The table's laid. You've got, you got the turkey. You've got stuffing. You've got roast potatoes. You've got Yorkshire puddings. If you know what that is, if you don't know what that is, you're missing out. There's beautiful gravy. There's the veg. There's the broccoli. I mean, this is like an amazing spread on the Christmas dinner, right? Grandma has gone to town to make this like an incredible thing. Granddad, he hasn't cooked. He's wearing this sweater, which is in such disgusting colors that it's going to give the grandkids nightmares. 
But everyone's made an effort. Everyone's made an effort. The table is laid. The chairs are out. People start arriving. So people start arriving. So, you know, there's like, you know, the brothers and sisters. They all arrive. The grandkids arrive. There's four chairs empty. And no one's arriving. But all the rest of the chairs are filling up and the meal's starting. And these four chairs remain empty. And no one says anything. They just ignore these four chairs. There's four empty chairs. And everyone just gets on with life. 20 kilometers down the road, mum, dad, and the kids, they're tucking into a big KFC bucket and watching Siva Delan on the TV. They're not there. The chairs are empty. Does this seem normal? Would you say something's a little bit wrong with this picture? This is a bit of a dysfunctional family, right? Something's odd. I mean, the people in the dinner should be trying to find out what's happening to the rest of the family, and the people in the rest of the family should be... This is, this is weird. Yet in church, we seem to think it's absolutely normal. It's what we do. Because do you realize that a church, a community, when we meet in each other's homes, do you realize that God is laying out a feast of his word, of his spirit, of gifts from others? He's laying out a feast for us to enjoy. It's what the Bible tells us. God lays out a feast. It says the Bible is a feast for people. God himself has laid out this incredible spread for us to come and enjoy. And yet, we so often just sit at home. We say, ah, oh, you know what, I've, I've had a busy week. I'm feeling a bit tired. Ah, oh, the kids are playing up a little bit. Um, I, I woke a bit late. I don't want to be late to church. It'd be a bit embarrassing. So we just miss it. We miss out the spread that God's prepared for us. And we all seem to think that's normal. I don't think that's normal. I think if we really understood what God is trying to do and really understood the way that God is pouring out his love on us and what we're really trying to build as family, we would chase people we're finding missing. And when we're sitting there, we would want to be part of the feast that God is placing out for us. Do we really understand what God is doing? In Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, the writer, probably Paul, we don't know, but it's probably Paul wrote Hebrews. He said this, let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know what this means? Even in Paul's day, some people would rather sit at home and watch Siva Delan than gather together and they made a habit of it. It's nothing new. But don't do it. I really don't want to lay a heavy on you. I really don't. But I want us to understand the importance of this. I know there's a couple of times in my life where I've missed it. I know that God's asked me to do things or say things. And I've sat on my hands because I'm like, no. Nah. What would have happened if at a community one week, God had an appointment with someone there. And you were supposed to be the messenger. But you just decided you were a bit tired and stayed at home that week. Serious. I mean, I'm not trying to lay a heavy on you, but am I wrong? 
Now, I do want to balance this. I'm not saying you should never rest, that you should never get downtime, that there's never a good reason to, you know, I understand sometimes there are things, work may call you elsewhere, you might have family commitments, you know, someone might be generally unwell. There might be genuine reasons, okay? But the key word in there is, is the word that Paul was talking about, the habit, right? Is our habit to find a reason to just miss it? Or is our habit to be there? For me, I crave, crave being with my brothers and sisters. I do. I hate missing it. So a few weeks ago, um, I woke up on a, early on a Friday morning for prayer meeting. And uh, I don't wake up very well. I'm a bit of a slow starter. So I woke up in the morning and uh, I was going, okay, I'm psyched. I'm going to do church. And I looked at Renee and Renee... She needed encouragement that morning. She, she needed me. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to skip the prayer meeting. I'm going to spend time with my wife. And I didn't go. And it was the right thing to do. Because I needed to invest in my wife right then. So you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying sacrifice everything. But I'm just saying, understand. There are times when maybe you need to focus on something else. But every time you can, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. Be there. Gather. So this brings me to my fourth point, and that is we need to be a place to grow, a place to grow. Now, I hope you guys like avocados. Yeah, you like avocados? Good, uh, because we've got two huge avocado trees in our garden. Avocados, they fruit every other year. This year is the fruiting year for both our avocado trees, and they are laden. Um, so you may find that in a few weeks' time, there may be one or two avocados that, that come here if you, if you like them. Um, but the point is this. George, it's got some crazy soil. I don't know what's going on in this place. In Cape Town, nothing grows. In here, just... It's, Our avocado trees seem to like it here. They're healthy. They're growing. Because that's what healthy things do. They grow. They bear fruit. Now, who knows that you're part of a church here which is growing? There's life. Josh Jen, as a wider church, is growing. 412 is growing. That's why we've got this ridiculous conference in the middle of a field somewhere, because it's the only place big enough to hold us all. Healthy things, they grow. So we have to be a place where we're expecting growth. And this is why we've multiplied, to create space for growth. I actually just want to read from Ephesians 4, um, which is the handbook for growth in the Bible. That's why, you know, 4.12 is named after Ephesians 4, verse 12, right? I, you probably know that. Um, and Ephesians 4 is a chapter. Don't think 4.12 is the only good verse in there. The rest of the chapter is pretty good, too. So I just want to read from Ephesians 4, just the beginning section from 1 to 13. It says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love. 
Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also ascended, descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's works, people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is what we're talking about this morning. Living a life humble, patient, bearing with one another, Unified in the Spirit, using our gifts, growing one another, until eventually we all become mature. We all become healthy and we grow together. Now, I am aware that for some of you, you may know, not know what your gifts are. Um, you know, the crust of bread that Chad referred to. But we, we don't know what our gifts are, okay? Some of us might do, some of us don't. That's okay. We'll help you find out. That's what families do. So you might be newly saved, or maybe you are, um, maybe you've come from a background where you weren't aware that God gave you awesome gifts. And so you want to know what they are. That's great. We'll find out together. We'll find out who you are. We'll find out what your gifts are. We'll gather you. You'll no longer be a guest, and you'll get to use those gifts building up the body of Christ. Some of you are probably flourishing in your gifts already. Some of you know that you're called to encourage, or to prophesy, or to teach, or whatever it is. That is awesome. Keep on keeping on. The Bible, verse we read earlier, it said, be faithful with what God has given you. Being faithful means when God says, do that. It means we do it. When we're somewhere and we feel, I need to have a word for that person, be faithful to that thing. You'll be blessed, they will be, be blessed. The only thing I would ask is this. If you're already flourishing in your gift... Always make space for other people to grow in theirs too. So, for example, practically, what does that mean? Some of you may be prophetic. You may be gifted with words of knowledge. You may be praying for someone at the front here, and there's two of you gathered around, and you're praying for them, and the moment you get, you think, I've got a word for them. Bring the word. But can I make a suggestion? Before you bring the word, if there's someone across from you, maybe just... Wait 30 seconds to see what they have first. Maybe say, hey, have you got a word for them? Encourage someone else 
before you exercise your gift. Yeah? Or maybe you lead a community and you love to teach. And every time you teach, people say, oh, wow. I just felt the anointing of God on your words. And you're like, wow, this is a gift. I'm using it. I'm powering ahead. Yeah. Who else in your community has a gift of teaching? Maybe give them a go. You'll get a chance again. But grow other people in their gifts as well. We make a space for that. So this morning, I wanted to talk about how we do this thing called church, how we grow this place together. And there were four things. Firstly, we create a place for guests. We treat people that we come across as our own. We love them as ourselves. That's a high calling, but it's God's calling. It's not my words, it's what the Bible says. Secondly, it's a place for gifts recognizing what God has put in every single one of us because he lavished us with gifts. And we have an opportunity to share those gifts with other people to build us and to build others. Thirdly, we looked at a place to gather. The importance of, quite simply, just being there. Because if you're not there, you can't use your gifts. And lastly, we talked about a place to grow, where as each of us play our parts, there's a blessing. God just pours out a blessing. God is so ready to pour out a blessing on his people when they're united in heart and mind and purpose. I'm excited to be part of that. In finishing, I just want to use the words of Paul. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, he says this. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. Just as ours does for you. As a, as a church, as a congregation, can we make our love increase and overflow for each other? for everyone else, for the guests that pass through, to glorify God. So I do want to ask for a response. And Chad said, you know, as we finished worship, he said, you know, we need to respond, but not yet. Now I feel we do need to respond. Is what I've challenged you with heavy? Honestly, is it heavy? Do you feel the weight? Because you should. <laughs> yeah, it's heavy. But isn't it glorious? Isn't it wonderful? There's a table spread out by God himself. We can feast at it. We can invite other people to feast on it. It's amazing. And there's a table laid for us in heaven with eternal rewards. The Bible says that, you know, Jesus said, in my father's house there's many rooms, there's mansions. There is such a rich reward that comes from this thing we do here. Does it take sacrifice? Yes. Is it worth it? So much. So I want to just be real with you guys. I don't think 
we've got time to mess around. The Bible says, in that verse we just read, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. Do these things all the more as the day approaches. Day's approaching. We should be doing it all the more. If you're ready and willing to do this thing with us, if you're ready to say, yes, I'm in, it'll cost me, but I'm in. But only if you really mean it. Will you stand with me? I want to pray with us in just a moment. Spare me one moment.